Praise the Lord. We're certainly glad we're called to magnify him today, aren't we? Amen. Amen. Living in a crazy, crazy world, aren't we? Since we had church here last night, another shooting, as you've heard about, I'm sure. Nine people killed, others wounded. The world's going insane. Thank God for his mercy and grace to us, to help us. Revelation 22:11. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right. That they may have right. So this is not a gift given to some people that don't deserve it. But there's some that have born with a birth right. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right. And the Greek word there is excusia, which is authority. Right to the tree of life. And may enter in through the gates into the city. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Lovely Father, we thank you today for your kindness, Lord Jesus. Thank you for caring for us so much, dear God. We thank you, Lord, that you have illuminated our hearts and help us to see the end time. If it wasn't for your grace, we could be out in the world of darkness and chaos. We know the conditions of the end time will repeat as it was, Lord, in previous conditions that existed in Genesis 6 and at the changing of the dispensation from law to grace. We can certainly see it in our day that violence is so rampant. We see it, Lord, that people are entering into a pre-tribulation anointing. It is a violence. It is a killing. It is a murder. It is a hatred that is not only filling our land, but filling the world. Racial tension, political tension, policy tension everywhere we look. Politicians screaming and hollering at one another and Lord, it's just the age we're living. The God of this world, this is what he desired. He desired for it to be turned, this beautiful paradise, into such a chaotic state. But we know, Lord, it won't be much longer till the earth will be taken over by the sons of God. And when we get it back into our possession, Lord, and you come upon the earth, peace will reign. And the righteousness of God will be upon the earth as the waters upon the sea. Until that time, Lord, help us that we can be what you desire us to be. Speak to us today from your word, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Certainly want to welcome all the visitors here with us today. I think I heard Brother Ray Erickson pray a while ago. Certainly glad to have them with us. Brother Ray and I have been friends for a long, long time. And so appreciate Brother Ray and his family stand they've made for the gospel for so many years. So we are looking at our new home. Um, 
gold, jasper, chrysosphorus, crystallite, all those things are wonderful elements that will be elements to make a city. But actually the character of a city, like a church, like a home, like a civilization, is the beauty of its people, the type of people that live inside that city. Truly, we desire to be the type of people I trust today that will be able to match that city. Actually, as awful as it is, really the inhabitants of America are living out the spirit of America. Murder and violence and all these things that are going on. How can we expect any such? We've turned down Almighty God years ago. The prophet warned us, and he told us this year, America will either accept or reject God, and I predict, he said, that she will turn him down. Did she? Has she got any better since then? Of course not. It's got worse, and it's terrible, because for the most of us that are here today, I'm sure we're probably American citizens, so we do not rejoice whenever we hear the, all the things that are going on in the world. We don't rejoice at all. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible, but yet we wonder why all the school shootings and why this and that and the other, and then people want to turn around and blame God. Don't blame God. They drove God out of there. So don't blame God whenever things goes wrong in our politics and our society. He's not welcome in our society anymore. He's not welcome in schools. He's certainly not welcome, I hate to say it, but he's not welcome in a lot of churches. I hope and pray you'll always be welcome here. I hope you'll always be welcome in our homes, right, and in our lives as individuals. But here we move into the future, and we're going to try to understand today by the help of the Lord a great parallel of the people of God that will be walking down the streets of gold and those that will be living, of course, on the outside of a different character, different type of people altogether, yet recipients of the grace of God. And those that will be living on the inside are of his genos or of his own kind. They are of the generation of God. So that makes them totally different by election. Not different as far as humanity, difference in their makeup as far as the human part, because they're no different than anyone else, born with a fallen nature. But there was something that took precedent inside of them, and that was the attribute of God. Let us read again, if you would, in, Gen- in, in uh, Revelation twenty-two, fourteen, the beginning here. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life. Now, this is one of the uh, seven beatitudes of the book of Revelation. And uh, the Alexandrian copy of this verse, I love the way that it reads, because it brings it from just a little bit different point of view. Instead of saying, blessed are they that do his commandments, the Alexandrian copy actually says, they that wash their garments. So they that do his commandments and they that wash their garments. Also, the Ethiopian copy, the version as well, reads as the Latin Vulgate reads, which adds in the blood of the Lamb. So they which do his commandments or keep his word are they, now it can be taken either way in the Greek in the Aramaic, that it's the same equivalent words in scriptural language that those who do his commandments are the same ones who wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Now, isn't it amazing that God identifies doing with washing? 
So those who are really obeying the word of God from an energy, a divine energy inside of them can only come by the spirit of God. Now we can get into, of course, methodical uh, things where we just do it over and over and over again and we do it without heart. We do it without meaning. We do it without emotion. But whenever it's pulsated by the divine energy of the Holy Ghost, then it's not you methodically doing it this way. Well, I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't go here and I don't do that. That's not truly religion of what we're talking about. But to those who do it because they are inspired by a supernatural force called the presence of God that is greater than themselves. It is actually the life of the blood inside of them living out by token life. Now, the Lord Jesus, of course, gives us these robes. We know that. They're unmerited of anything we could ever do. But as I mentioned it to you last weekend, that the Lord Jesus gives gives them to us, but we are the ones who must do the laundry, right? So now we must wash our robes and make them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now Paul says it this way, that we are washed by the water of the Word, or that word there is actually rhema, which is the live Word of God, a living something that God has quickened to you. Now listen to me carefully so you can see the direction where I'm going, that by taking the written Word, the Logos, and memorizing the Logos, that is a wonderful thing. But Satan can do that and has already done it. He knows this Bible frontwards, backwards, upside down, every way that you can imagine. He can quote the Logos, and yet he has no power to make the Logos live. Now, God knew this, of course, in the beginning, so God separated the distinction of the power of life away from the written Word. Now, if he did not have done that, then anyone would have been able to take the Bible, the Logos, and they would have had that Bible, with it would have become the dunamis or the power of God and they could have took that word and made it live without a godly life. So God separated the dunamis away from the Logos so man would be able to read the Logos, study the Logos, even memorize the Logos, talk about the Logos, but it does not mean that man would have the power to make that Logos do anything other than just talk about it, memorize it, debate it, discuss it. But then God also added another part of that, which would be the life of the Word that would make it live. Now, if you'll think real carefully, that's exactly the way He'd done you as a son or daughter of God. You were a part of that Logos as it came out of the eternal. But when you came out from that, and then whenever you come to this earth, whatever day that you were born, your body, and then you took the breath of life, and there was a part of that Logos that went inside of you, but it was lifeless. It had no ability to reproduce itself. It had no ability to produce a predestinated seed life because it was as the written word of God, the Bible, that laid there in seed form, but no life until it was quickened. So that's you when you read about the Logos. So God separated the Logos from the power. If not, Satan and all of his demons, every theologian that would ever be able to read the Bible, then they would have direct power to the dunamis of God 
to make that word do whatever they wanted it to do. So God separated it, and I hope you understand me now, that God separated the power away from the Logos and left the Logos there. But even with that, just by taking the promise of the Word of God, you're believing that with just an intellectual faith. It can do great things. Because the Logos has great power within itself. But it cannot do what the Rhema Word of God can do. Now, when we read in the New Testament, and there's two words that's actually used, we use the same one. It's called Word, W-O-R-D. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And then you look in Ephesians 5, and Paul said that they washed by the water of the Word. looks like the same. It is the same English Word. But in the Greek, it's not the same Word at all. Now, one of them, of course, John 1 and 1, is the Logos. So in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was made flesh. But in Ephesians 5, it's not the Logos, but it's the washing of the water by the rhema. Now the rhema is the word which God takes and brings it in season and quickens it to you. It's something that you need. It's something for where you are and you need it and God quickens it to you. So what is it? It's the dunamis that strikes the logos which produces the rhema word of God. That's one thing the devil ain't never had. Praise God. That's one thing theologians cannot contact. Now, they could probably put us to shame as far as being able to discuss the Logos and the Greek and the Aramaic and the Hebrew and all of that. And they can discuss it and talk about when it was written. But the humblest saint of God, man or woman, boy or girl, they may not understand all the Greek and the Aramaic and the diphthongs and all this and that and the other. But if they got the Holy Ghost and they've got a need and the Spirit, Spirit of God quickens that Logos by the dynamics of God and turns that Logos into Rhema. They can speak and maybe they've got a disease in their body. And all of a sudden, the same one that said in the beginning, let there be light, said, let there be no more cancer in my body. Guess what? It'll obey because the same one who spoke that word spoke it out of your lips. That's right. Now, God, of course, knew that it must be done that way, that he would divide the power away from just the letter of the word. That's why, of course, we know that the word tells us that the letter killeth, but the spirit maketh alive. And this is why the prophet goes on to say that preaching the word is not the gospel, because the gospel is making the word live. Now, we can preach it from a theological standpoint, which will produce intellectual faith, but people can fall away from intellectual faith. Oh, I believe I believe God with all of my heart, they say. I believe Him with all of my heart. And they can serve God with an intellectual faith for decades. And then all of a sudden, something comes up that begins to question their intellectual faith. And as we looked at it last night, what happens to their faith? It actually dies. So their faith dies because it is no longer connected together with works, something living out of them. So then they say, well, I'm not sure there is a God no more. I'm not going to church. Ah, that's a bunch of lies. That's a bunch of devils and a bunch of hypocrites. There ain't no God. Well, what happened to them? Their faith died. Well, then what do you do to dead faith? You might as well bury it because it cannot produce anything. Because they're no longer then producing the works of God. And faith is the husband of the relationship. And works is the wife. So faith and, 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 and works together makes the union. And then the husband and the wife together produces the progeny of that union, which manifests the word of God living out of our lives. Everybody say amen to that. Now, Satan has never been able 
able to do that. Now he can quote the word. He quoted it to Jesus. He quotes it to us. He tells us, well, you know, the Bible said this and Brother Branham said that. Isn't it amazing that he'll get on these old people that's left the message and they'll say Brother Branham was a liar and Brother Branham was a false prophet. But when he approaches you, he'll refer to Brother Branham as a brother. Now you're talking about a sorry, low-down hypocrite. That he'll tell all these other people he's a false prophet, but he knows better than to tell you that. So when he comes up to you and says, well, Brother Branham said this, and Brother Branham said that, and Brother Branham said something else. I like to just smack him in the mouth sometimes, don't you? I just like to tell him right to his face, you low down sorry hypocrite. You call him brother to me, and you call him a false prophet to the other. Get out of here and leave me alone. I ain't got time to fool with you, you low down rascal. But you ought to talk to him that way. Some of y'all was afraid of him. You let him push you around and you let him tell you this, that, and other. Hey, don't give the devil no time. Listen to the Lord Jesus. Listen to his word. Spend time fellowshipping with God. Put that devil to going. The Bible says, submit yourself, therefore, into the mighty hand of God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you're running from the devil, you need to turn that thing around and stand right fat-footed on the word of God and say, devil, get out of my mind. Get out of my thoughts. Get out of my life. Out of here, devil. Now, isn't it amazing how that we could run a parallel on this that those who keep the word of God are those who are actually washing the robes and making them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, of course, the robe representing the cloth that is given to us in a spiritual terms, the righteousness of the Lord, but also the robe is an identification of the everyday walk. And for those of you that are sealed with the Holy Ghost, you know yourself, it is our everyday walk that can become contaminated in the darkness and the smut of the world we live in. No, you, you, don't, you don't even drink. You don't cuss. Maybe many of you don't do any of those things at all. You'd never do that. But yet you get around the people of the world and you can't keep from feeling contaminated. You can't fe- keep from feeling just working at your job. You see everything in the world, hear everything in the world and you get around that and what does it do? It just makes you feel so contaminated. But thank God we've got some water that can help us wash. Now you don't need to go back and get saved every day but you just need your robe washed every day so thank God for spiritual laundry and the laundry products which is the washing of the water by the word and also the blood life of the lamb to help us to be able to communicate and to be able to keep our intimate fellowship with God why is that so important because Satan knows if he can contaminate our everyday walk with God one of the first things we will forego and give up is prayer and communication with the Lord because he knows it makes us feel so bad when we've got things in our life issues in our life that we're dealing with and we know we're not right so how many of you can pray with all your heart when you got things right and it's not right in your heart you know you can't so you forego your intimate talk with God you let go your prayer time well it ain't no good no way God won't hear my prayer so you give it up on Monday then you give it up on Tuesday then Wednesday it's been a week then two then a month then six months and you no longer feel like you even know the Lord Jesus and it's not his fault it's yours 
right? And Satan knows how to work on that intimate relationship between us and our Heavenly Father. Now we're still Christians, we're still children of God, but we just don't feel as close as we did. It's sort of like husbands and wives, I'm sure there's nobody here that does it, but they'll have words and they'll begin to argue with one another. And you know, you can grab a hold of her hand and sit there and smile at her, but somehow or another, it just don't quite feel the same, does it? And you can say, I love you, and she'll say, I love you too. You okay? Yep. You okay? Yep. Now, both of you are lying between your teeth. You know you're not all right. You all right? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine too. Well, I see there are people here who's been down that path. Okay, well, you understand what I'm saying. Well, what is it? Something's come between your relationship, and it's broke that intimate feeling. And it won't be right until you be able to go down there and apologize. I'm sorry, honey. I'm sorry, too. I shouldn't have said that. You know, it was my fault. No, it was my fault. Uh, Well, just just lay it aside. All right, then in time, you know how it is, just because we apologize don't mean it's all them feelings are gone. But it might take a little bit, and you touch her on the hand and she pulls it back first time and then you touch her again she kind of leaves it there and oh my right down where y'all living right now ain't it and then all of a sudden it seemed like with time those feelings begin to mellow now what it is our human spirit is actually making the contact back with our companion right and the spirit is actually bonding together again because we love not from our body but from our spirit and our spirit will contact our companion the intimate connection becomes reunited again and then we can look at them and oh my that's smile is there and oh we feel all ooey gooey on the inside and we don't feel like within an hour before right why because something has changed it wasn't your body that changed you made it right but actually your spirits were merging back together again it's the same with communion with the Lord Jesus that if we go to having things in our walk with God and things that ain't right what's happening so we're getting spots as it were on our garment and our fellowship is becoming affected because of that and then our conviction is not quite right. Our conscience is also working on us. So, you know, it's hard to go and spend a lot of time with the Lord and feel close to Him because we feel bad in our hearts. Because we're doing this or saying this or participating in something that we should not do. And it's really hard to go pray. And then if you do think about go praying, Satan has said, well, why should you pray? You've done this yesterday and you've done this. And the problem of it is you've done it the day before yesterday and two days before that. Why in the world should you even go pray? I hope somebody He's going to hear me today. And he knows how to break that intimate relationship. And yet the Lord Jesus is standing right there waiting for all of us. Now he knew that there would be this contamination that we would have to deal with in our spirits and also in our flesh. So he made a way that our garments would be able to be washed. Now we are actually blessed in that we have the ability that we hate, oh we hate it, being contaminated by this world. But yet we have the ability, uh, John said, little children, I write unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate, which is the paracletos, the lawyer, one called alongside to help. We have an advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ, the righteous, which is the perpetuation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So here John is writing to the people of God. Now he said, I I wish I didn't have to write this, but you're still human beings. John needed this paracletos whenever he fell down before the angel to worship him. 
John needed the paracletos again when he fell down at the feet of the angel to worship God via the angel. Well, praise the Lord. Now, John was a prophet. He had great visitations from God, but John was still a human being. And the Lord knew that there would be people that would be on the earth in every church age that would still need this cleansing agent of the blood that would help them and wash their robes and make them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, particularly with the book of Revelation because it curtails all the future events that's going to happen with the image of the beast. The beast worship that will come in the last days. So the people of God are going to be blessed particularly from the prophetic entrance of the book of Revelation right on down to the end time. And we know when the revelation makes itself known and the word revelation of course is apocalypse which means to take the cover off. When the revelation comes clear it's always an evident sign that Satan will open all hell at the same time. So we should not marvel then with the revelation of the word that's been opened in this end time that all hell has come open at the same time. Can you say amen to that? 1961 the prophet tells us the lid has been torn off the kettle and demon powers are streaming in every direction. How much more could it be said now friends? And Satan always does that. Now you notice in the days of the Lord Jesus at his appearing when he was on the earth at the demonic demonstration that was showed in the four gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and there was more visible demonic distribution excuse me going on that people could see it with their physical eyes than there was in the entirety of the New Testament there was more demonic demonstration there was more of a display of them talking out of people and throwing people into the fire and all of those things more in those three and a half years than there was in the prior 1600 years or whatever it was prior to that time of it being written you wonder why because the greatness of God's glory was on the earth in a visible form so Satan was invisible as it was really you'd see one occasionally here and there but for the most part they never done anything quite like that in the Old Testament but God had become visible so if God was becoming visible then Satan says I'm going to do the same thing if God's going to display himself is it any wonder to us even in this last year how much demonic demonstration that we've seen in meetings and here and there and the other that ought to let you know something that ought to let you know something. There's a bride on the earth that's coming into visible manifestation. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And Satan is doing everything he can to try to hinder that bride. If he cannot do it in the mind, if he cannot do it in the heart or the mind battle, then he will display himself in a visible form and cause people to become de- terrified because of a demonic demonstration. But just remember, friends, our God is greater than all demons. Oh, my. I feel it right now while I'm talking about it. That's right. But remember, our God is greater than them all. So in this power, then he said, blessed are they that will be able to wash their robes. Or it's synonymous, actually, with washing their robes or being able to keep his word. Because when you keep his word, you are washing your robe. When you are keeping what he says do, you are keeping your walk. You're keeping yourself in the purification of the revealed word. Oh, oh, Brother Donnie, what can I do? to increase my works and be a better person. Live the life of the Word every day. And don't do it for reward's sake. Do it because the Word of God wants you to do so. 
Right? You want to please him. Is that right? Now, of course, this charge is given to the elect of God. Notice now, let's look at these seven beatitudes of the book of Revelation, if you will. I'm not sure if you even knew that they were there. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3 is the first one. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of the prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Now, notice this, blessed or blessed, whichever way you desire to say it. Blessed is he that readeth. But this is more than just actually picking up the book of Revelation and just reading. Well, you know, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God has given unto him to declare unto his servants, which things must shortly come to pass. It was sent unto his servant John on the Isle of Patmos and said, praise God. Well, I was so blessed. Well, that's true, but that's not the meaning of this word. Blessed is he that readeth, which means distinctly understands or knows it in a profound way. So it is more than just picking up the book of Revelation, but it is one who reads it and they distinctly are able to separate it and divide it. Now notice the first beatitude of the book of Revelation. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear. Again, it is not just the natural person that sits in church and I heard the preacher say this and I heard the preacher say that and I heard it on my Bible tape. I heard the New Testament before I come to church so I was blessed because I heard it there but again the word here means to understand or comprehend so we're not talking about those then that just sat and hear it alone with the natural ear but they read and when they read they have a God given ability to be able to sit there and understand what they're reading and when they hear they have a God given ability to sit there and understand what they are hearing well praise Praise the Lord. So I hope there's people here today that fits under this beatitude. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy. And notice, now here we have a threefold manifestation of this beatitude. And that is readeth and hear and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. So the word keep is hold fast or guard. Metaphorically it means to guard, to keep or reserve. So in this first beatitude of the book of Revelation, then we have a threefold which ties to the heart of the real believer. Now, of course, I know this is a revelated believer. It's certainly not just one of intellectual faith because it's, oh, I don't understand. Oh, you can't make no sense out. That's crazy. Who in the world could ever read such a thing of 13 stars and, you know, a beast with all these heads and this and that and the other? Well, I can't say that I understand everything about it, but what little bit I do understand, I sure do like, don't you? Amen. That's exactly right. And whenever I do sit there, I pray, Lord Jesus, give Give me understanding. Help me. And every one of you has happened to you when you read the word and it might be the very same passage you read yesterday. But today you read it and all of a sudden it's like you just first opened the Bible the first time in your life. Well, what is that? The Spirit of God is enlightening you. You ought to raise your hands and say, thank God I've been blessed today. Because what just happened to you was the fulfillment of one of the fold of this beatitude. You were blessed, friend. It happens to us and we take it for granted. Do you realize? how blessed you are to be able to pick up your Bible or pick up a message book or go to a house of God somewhere and hear the word of God preach oh my you ought to be so happy and so blessed to realize amen that
that to you the Bible is not this mysterious book that makes no sense at all. God makes no sense and the message makes no sense. You have been enlightened, illuminated, changed by the grace of Almighty God. Notice, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of the prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Notice the second beatitude, Revelation 14, 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, blessed, right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. So now here we have a time entering into the dispensation of the church ages. When you find that God is saying, blessed are those that die. What a peculiar your thing to say. Blessed are those that die. I mean, we most of the time, we consider death to be a curse. We don't look at death as being any type of blessing at all. But something has happened in the dispensation to where God is actually acknowledging for them to pass beyond the curtain of time and enter into death. It is a time of blessing. And for a real child of God, whenever we go that way, we can look death straight in the face and say, death, you are not mine. Amen. You are not my king. You do not control me. I am your master, death. You take me across to the other side and that's all you can do to me, death. That's right. Others that's lost without God, they'll scream and holler and carry on the office ever was. Why? Because they're facing death and they know they're not ready for it. But here are the second beatitudes. So this carries over down through the church ages now right to the very end. Every child of God that we bury in our buried had over a hundred and something funerals since I've been here the 30 years that I'm here. So I buried a lot of folks. Every one of them that we buried that are Christians, we can say the same thing. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Well, whether I live or whether I die, I'm blessed either way. I'd like to be alive in the rapture, wouldn't you? But if I have to go by the way of the grave, I'll fit right here in Revelation 14, 13, and this beatitude will apply to me. If I'm alive and changed, well, I'll be even more blessed, I figure. I'm going to be blessed. Either way, I cannot lose. Come on, saints. If you're in Christ Jesus, you cannot lose. Notice again Revelation 16, 15, the third beatitude. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth. Now notice how these all are accompanied to not just the recipients of grace that just sit around and do nothing and well I believe and I believe and I believe and I believe and God's doing it all and I don't have to do nothing. I don't have to pray. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't even have to go to church except I want to. And if I want to then well but it really don't have nothing to do with me. Well, you know, I'm glad that we understand that grace is something he did for us. Works is something I do back for him in appreciation. And obedience is compulsive, friends. It is not an option. Obedience to God's word is not like power windows on your car and a, and a power door lock. It is something that must be done. Oh my. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth. How many is watching? 
Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Notice again, I love this beatitude, Revelation 19.9. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. How many is called to the marriage supper? Look at the Beatitudes that are filled in your life, brother, sister. My, notice Revelation 26. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. Amen. The sevenfold revelations of the Beatitude are given to the believers. Isn't this amazing? Now the Lord Jesus, when he says on the Mount of Olives in Matthew 5, and he said, blessed are the peacemakers, and blessed are this, and blessed are that. But now we move into a higher level of revelation. So we move now beyond just the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, and they're wonderful. Don't take me wrong. They are wonderful Beatitudes. But this is into a higher revelatory person, into a position to where God is moving now the church ages beyond just the introduction of the gospel notice again praise God behold I come quickly blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book verse 14 blessed are they that do his commandments or those who will wash their garments and make them white in the blood of the Lamb this ought to take away any difficulty that you and I have in keeping God's word do you understand when you are obeying the word there's parts of the word that's easy to do there's parts of the word that's not difficult at all and there's parts that's hard how many of y'all have hard parts of the word that's hard for you to keep well me too brother Donnie you yep just like you oh there's parts I breeze through and there's parts it feels like five minutes underwater And you don't want to fail that test because you're afraid you'll have to repeat it. I've been in that repeat line several times of several that I've failed myself. Well, praise God. Has anybody else in you been in that repeat line beside me? I know you have because I've helped you get back in line. So don't sit there and look at me like you ain't. <laughs> but yet God is so determined because he's not going to push us through a pipe, as the prophet said, and pull us out on the other side and say, blessed are they that overcome. There's actually something that we must do, and our loyalty to the sovereignty of Christ is a wonderful thing. Most of us probably have no problem with that. Our loyalty to the deity of Christ, we probably don't struggle with that. But our loyalty to the obedience of Christ demands, that word would be where most of us will struggle, of something that he asks us to do, and something that he wants us to do. And what well, so-and-so don't have to look at And look at them. They get by with this and that and the other. But that's not you. You have your own walk with God. You have that particular sacred place that God has with you in mind. And that's where he wants to call you into. Not you and your wife. Not you and your children. Not you in Happy Valley. But you and God. 
you and God. Look, friend, God is the only one that can even make that known to us where that place is. That is the sacred ground that we walk with God. Oh, my, you've heard me say it before. That many times the reason God cannot entrust us with more supernatural elevation than what he does is because we run our mouths about the things that God does. God will show us things or God will do things for us. And we think it's for everybody else. Much of the time it ain't for nobody but you and him. It ain't for you to go around and brag about, well, I done this and I done that and God showed me this and God showed me something else. You are right there cutting yourself off from further experiences because you're bragging on yourself even though you say you're bringing glory to God. Well, oh my, my, my. You see, even with the interconnection of God and man together that we're actually co-workers as God put man in the Garden of Eden, so is it with the merits of salvation. We can't do anything to deserve it. We can never buy it, purchase it, ever work good enough to be able to get it. But this shows man's part in being a recipient of the salvation, the grace of God. Look at all these overcomings. It's something the individual must live. They must do. They must obey. They must wash. They must stand upright on the promise of the word. It shows man's part. But Laodicea don't want to hear nothing about something they've got to do. They want to hear all about what Jesus done and don't tell them they can't go here and can't do this and can't do that. They just don't want nothing to do with them. They want a preacher that'll just pat them on the back and tell them how good they are and how sweet they are, how they're all going to heaven, my, whether they live right or not. They want a preacher that'll never rebuke nobody, will never chastise nobody. You're at the wrong place if you want that. I can tell you that right now. Well, praise the Lord. So the Lord Jesus gives us these things to really sever out and divide and separate the intellectual from the born-again people. Because the intellectual man will reason with the commandments of God. Well, now why couldn't we do that? That don't make any sense. Now why? It just don't make, I just don't understand. It just don't matter. You're using this instead of this. Malachi 4 didn't come to turn our heads. It come to turn our hearts. Right? Now notice then, he says those who actually have the ability. Now, if God is giving you the robe and you are clothed in the righteousness of God and yet you keep that by the word that I use, the laundry, so to speak, then you ought to be so grateful to God that you have access in order to the bleach blood pool of the Lamb of God to where you can go when you fall short of the glory of God and you can say, Lord, I'm so sorry, I messed up. I said this, I've done that, I fell short of your glory. Do you understand you're blessed to have access to the laundry room of deity? Do you understand how blessed you are when you mess up that you still have access? you understand there's millions of people, no doubt, on the face of the earth today who have already crossed the line, who have already had their names removed from just the book of life and will never feel the tug of the Holy Ghost again. They will never feel any unction from God. And yet when you do wrong, you still feel bad. You ought to have yourself a spell, I'm telling you. Because you still have a pull on the inside of you to repent, to make that thing right. You shouldn't have said that to your wife. You shouldn't have said that to your brother. Go and make that thing right. Brother, sister, you ought to be so grateful. You are blessed because the Lamb of God is pulling you. Now notice, this is not something he will do. We must confess our sin. Oh, I'll tell you one thing. I I want God to do it all. There's things you've got to do yourself. 
You trespass against your wife, your children, whoever more, your brothers and sisters. The Holy Ghost ain't going to apologize for you. And you sit there guilty as a hound dog in a hen house. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I know I've done it, but I can't, I can't do it. You get repentance right, you'll want to do it. Well, I wish somebody would preach with me this morning. You get repentance right, and you will want to make it right with God. And you're so blessed. Oh, but it hurts my pride. It hurts my feelings. I'd rather my pride be hurt than my soul burn up in hell. What difference does it make about your stinking pride anyhow? Come on, Happy Valley. Lord, we're so blessed to be able to wash our robes and obedience to the Word of God and keep them. My, my, my. You know, to be able to have the right to the tree of life. Now, of course, at one time man had this right. It was a God-given right, a, a created right, not so much a birthright because Adam was not born. But it was a created right given to him by the Almighty God. Now, Adam would eventually partaken of the tree of life, of course, and it would have constantly reminded him that his youth was being renewed over and over and over again. Who shall be the constituents of the eternal life of those living outside the the city coming in, getting the leaves, those on the inside getting the fruit. Over and over again as they partake of this, they are reminded of their consistency of eternal life. Can you imagine living in a world where you'll never grow old? You'll never get a wrinkle. You'll never get a gray hair. No one hair will ever fall out. What a time. But yet, man forfeited this whenever he fell away from the program of God. Whenever he walked away from God's provided way, then he lost his right to the tree of life. He lost his right to the book of life. Because the Lamb's book of life, of course, given to Adam on the earth, and Adam should have spoke every son of God into existence. The prophet tells us Isaiah should have come through Eve. Christ should have come through Eve. Eve should have been my mother. Right? Every son and daughter of God would have been spoken into existence, not by sex desire at all. But yet Adam forfeited his rights to the book of life. Then God takes the book of life back. Then the rights of Adam have been forfeited. He forfeited the rights to the tree of life. So then God says, in that day you eat thereof, that day you shall die. Well, something happened, of course, from that time on. Adam lived to be 930 years old. But from that time on, he began to age. He's just an arch come in his back. And he become to where he couldn't hardly walk straight up anymore. More. And maybe a little bit of arthritis and this and that and the other. And eventually death took him. And he forfeited not only his right, but my right and your right. Standing there as the head of the race, he was the transfer. He was the one by which God would speak every name out of that book of life. But when he forfeited his right, the transfer, the forfeiture also went to those names that was in the book. He forfeited my right to walk in the Garden of Eden. He forfeited in my right to oh my to be able to eat of the tree of life in the garden of Eden how's God going to do it God's got to get them rights back <laughs> praise God God's got to get them rights back how's he going to do it God must take the penalty of his own law the penalty of his own judgment in order to restore your rights so here we have people brother Terry that it's not going to be just given to them it's a free gift you don't deserve it it's not really yours but these class of people are identified as right bearing people it is their right to eat from the tree of life it is not just a gift that you know they're unworthy they're not good enough it is their right how could it be restored they must have had another birth hey, 
Amen. They must have had another birth to have that right restored. There had to be one that would come to the earth. Remember, he identifies himself as the root and the offspring of David, the bride and the morning star. The contrasting from the root to the star. The root buried deep down in the ground, his humanity. The star illuminating the skies, his light moving from the star, 186,000 miles per second. The contrast between the humanity and the divinity of our Lord. His humanity coming on the earth to feel pain for us. His deity raising himself back up from the dead. His humanity crying, oh my, and fearing death. His deity saying, death, out of my way. I am he that was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. Notice this in future home, the prophet said, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Overcomers only, that overcome the beast, overcome his mark, that's Catholicism, Protestantism, denominationalism. Who overcome the beast, his mark, and the letter of his name, he'll have a right to the tree of life. To enter into the gates where nothing that defiles can ever go in. See, think of it. Now, just a minute. As we go a little bit further, the tree of life will be for the overcomers only. The leaves will be for the healing of the nations. That is, the kings that live in there, bringing their honor in. Bringing their honor in. When they bring their honor in and lay it before the throne of God. Just like the outside, the 11 tribes brought in every one of them a tenth to Levi. And when they bring their honor in from the blessed land in that, they'll reach forth from the tree of life and break off a holly leaf or a tree of life leaf. Now notice what they're eating, what they're partaking of. Leaves. You get the fruit. Pentecost wanted gifts. You get the fruit. We get the gifts too, but our focus is not the gifts. Signs follow the believer. Believers don't follow signs, right? Hey, we, we get the gifts. I believe in the gifts. Don't you? Sure, they're still in the scripture. I get them, but my focus is I want the giver first. Amen. If I get the giver, I get everything he's got. So I get the gifts. I get the fruit. I get the leaves. I get the whole package as long as I focus on him. Notice then, they will walk out together. There is no more war. Everything is at peace. The leaves are a memorial for the healing of the nation. That same tree, not like Adam. Oh my, there was a tree of life in the Garden of Eden that he might have eaten from if he hadn't have fell. That tree of life reminded him all the time that his use was continually going on. So it was to be a constant renewing of his youth. This is why he would never age. He would never age because of what he was eating. So he would be feeding on the tree of life and the tree of life. Glory to God. The tree of life, it was not called the tree of old age. It was a tree of life. So whenever he was drove out from the presence of that tree of life, automatically aging set in the cycle. I don't care what scientists ever do. They'll never stop it. Oh my, you can have all kinds of plastic surgery if you get to near an old cold warm morning stove and you stand there and melt and run all over the floor and scare people to death when you got done. I don't care how much they try to make you look like a 50 year old. If you're 90, you're still 90. Some of them movie stars look like they ain't aged today. Oh, they're still 90 in their bones. 
They're 90 on the inside. My goodness, they got enough plastic surgery. You can make enough toys to last Disney for a year. But yet it's still plastic. Come on, saints. The Lord Jesus ain't going to give you plastic surgery. He's going to give you a new body. Well, praise God. Well, I got a facelift. I got a nose lift. I got a nose. You know, all that lift. We don't want to lift. We want to change. Amen. Keep on adding more plastic, more plastic. No, the problem is your diet. If you can have access and right back to the tree of life, you will keep yourself in eternal use. Oh, hallelujah. You will keep yourself in eternal use by your right to the tree of life. His use was continually going on. Poor Ponce de Leon went to St. Augustine looking for it. He never found it either. Well, he's here today. The fountain of youth is here. You want it, sisters? He's here. You want it, brothers? It's here. The fountain of youth is here. Same with the nations. The leaves are before the healing of the nation, not sickness now. He said you'd have the same rights that Adam did. The same rights. The rights has been restored. How? The birthright. Amen. Each king taking a leave. Now watch this in marriage and divorce. Every man that's born of a woman is born in death as soon as he comes. And when he's born into the creation of God, he cannot die. He's from the other tree that was in the garden of Eden. Christ, eternal life, come to the tree. Oh, you say, she was a tree? Sure. Well, they said, thou shalt not take of this tree. God said in Genesis back there. Thou shalt not take of this tree. Why? The woman is the tree. She is the fruit tree. You're the fruit of your mother. The fruit of the womb is you. That's right. Then the fruit of the tree of life that was in the garden of Eden is Christ. Well, saints, I hope you understand by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you're already partaking of him this morning. The fruit of the tree of life is already here. This will be a visible manifestation of what's supernaturally happening right here today. We're feeding this morning on Christ, the fruit of the tree of life. We're not feeding on the unfading body word of a man. We're feeding on the body word of the Son of Man himself, Christ Jesus. Oh, thank God. Then the fruit of the tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden is Christ. Through the woman come death. Through the man in the original creation come life. To be born of a woman is death. To be born of Christ is life. Get the idea? I do. Get the idea? How many gets the idea? Get the idea? He said, that's where. Whenever you see where the goddess went to, don't you? First, Adam and Eve taught the second Adam and Eve. See the multiplication? Now, the multiplication of Adam and Eve was through sex to replenish the earth. But it wasn't so at the beginning, and it will not be so at the end, right? Amen. It was so, not so at the beginning, God just made them male and female, like he did other creatures see, legal just like the church. But when we are fully restored back to the paradise of God, then we will have those walking in and out of the city. They have right to the tree of life. They pass through the gates back and forth, and they have this blessed right and privilege. They will never be separated from the Lord Jesus ever again. Oh, Ephesians church age, church age book, page 102. We start with the fact that there are two trees in the midst of the garden. The tree of life was Jesus. Mm. The other tree is definitely Satan. Wow. 
because of what came forth of the fruit of that tree. Now then we know that both of those trees had a relationship to man or they would have never been placed there. They must have had a part in the sovereign plan and purpose of God and their relationship to mankind or to himself or we could never impute omnipotence unto God. This is all true so far, is it not? Now the word most definitely sets forth that from before the foundation of the earth, the purpose of God was to share his eternal life with man. Ephesians 1.11, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, and whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. What a scripture. Wherein he has abounded toward us and all wisdom, and prudence having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven which are on earth even in him in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of his who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Then let me tell you something, friend. Let the devil huff and puff. Let the devil say whatever he wants to do. He ain't nothing but a puppet in the hand of God. And when there is no more devil, you still will be. When there is no more sickness, you still will be. When there is no more trouble, you still will be. Why? Because God purposed it so. I've told you every now and then whenever I'm feeling real, a little frisky and a little excited, I like to sing the devil a song. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. I'm so glad you're going to be lost. Happy birthday to you. He had a day he started, he'll have a day he ends. I never started, I'll never end. You never started, you'll never end. God never started, he will never end. Sickness had a day it started, it will end. Trouble had a day it started, it will end. You understand? Revelation 13, 8, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, Satan whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. But that life could not and would not be shared in any other way than through the way God manifests in the flesh. This was part of his eternal and predestinated purpose. This plan was to be the praise of the glory of his grace. It was the plan of redemption. It was the plan of salvation. Now listen closely. This is mind-boggling to me. God being a Savior, it was necessary that he predestinate a man who would require 
salvation, Lord of mercy, in order to give himself reason and purpose of being. <laughs> Can you imagine the eternal which didn't need anything, but he did. Now, being self-existent and omnipotent and all that sort of thing, he didn't need anything to exist. But he did need something to fully express himself. So he must predestinate a man which would require salvation. And then him coming on the scene and giving that man salvation gives himself reason and purpose. We all have to have that. When folks lose their, their reason and purpose of life, what do they do? They kill themselves. They don't want to live no more. They have nothing to live for, they said. They have no reason, no purpose. Well, the eternal, there he was. He dwelt alone. And he dwelt alone with his thoughts. But he needed, Brother Mark, he needed a reason and a purpose. Guess what? You may look at yourself as being worthless. That certainly is not the way he looks at you. Praise be to God. I'm going to read it again. It's so good. God being a Savior, it was necessary, necessary that he predestinate a man who would require salvation. In order to give himself reason and purpose of being, this is 100% correct. So those of you who argue with it are 100% wrong. This is 100% correct and multitudes of scripture bear it out. As does the very pointed verse in Romans 11:36, For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Man could not directly come and partake of that tree of life in the midst of the garden. That eternal life of that tree had to become flesh first. So here is Christ. Was it a theophanic appearance? Was it a Logos appearance, the word in a form that looked like a man in a temporary statue? We don't know exactly. But whatever it was that it represented, man could not directly go up to him and be able to take from him what he needed to live forever. But what he needed was in the tree. And the tree couldn't give it to him in that form. Amen. Why? Because the purpose of God had not yet been made manifest in the Garden of Eden. But the process must come to where the tree will come in sin from that great theophanic Logos form and would become later a man. And the form of the tree would change. Praise be to God. But before God could raise and save a sinner... He had to have a sinner to raise and save. Praise God. Man had to fall. The fall which would be caused by Satan had to have flesh to make fall. Satan had to come through flesh also. But Satan could not come through human flesh to make the fall as Christ would come in human flesh to restore the fallen. Well, because he don't have access to that dunamis of God. 
The Word was made flesh in Christ. It couldn't be made flesh in the devil. Amen. God could speak himself into the womb of Mary. Imagine the Father God spoke a body, a creation of life into the very beginning of the womb of Mary. But Satan could not speak himself into the womb of Eve. (laughs) Glory to God. But there was an animal. The serpent. So close to man that Satan could get to that beast. And through that beast, he could get to human flesh and cause a fall. And inject, not create, but inject himself. You see, sometimes when I'm fixing to roast or grill a big pork shoulder or a ham or some kind of big piece of meat I'll mix up an injection a brine and I'll pull it into a big needle a great old big needle with a big long deal in it you know pull it up in that needle and then tap it down in there and shoot that whatever it is full of this injection now it's not natural to the piece of meat so I'm injecting something into it To change it. Praise the Lord. Well Satan could not say. Let me have a body. I said let me have a body. I love to make fun of him on this stuff. He could say it all day long. He could say it for 10,000 years. He does not have the power of creation. Praise God. So he watched the creation of God as God started with the lower forms of life. It was like he was learning more. And it was a form of spiritual evolution that God kept creating higher and higher and higher. And right before God made the man, he made this one thing called the serpent. Now, not the snake, the serpent. That created this being that had eyes and hands and the anatomy very similar to a man and had a place for a soul. Now, a horse don't have a place for a soul or a cow or a dog or a cat or animals or the rest of the animals. But this one was higher than horses. It was one step above cattle, above whales, above dolphins. It was one step above all the rest of the animals in that it had a place for us all. Why did God do that? Because the devil couldn't do it himself. So Satan comes and steps in this animal. Now actually, in reality, Cain had two fathers. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness. He had one father, which was the father of his body, which was the serpent. And he had another father, which was the devil, which was the father of his spirit, his makeup. So he injected himself into this serpent. Then the serpent now, Satan is flesh. Animal. Flesh. 
Page 102 of the Church Age book, the prophet tells us God will not enter animals, but Satan will enter animals. That's how low down he is. Why? He can't create. He can't make nothing. If we give him 10,000 years, he couldn't make a peach. If we give him another 10,000 years to make an ant, just create life, devil. Just go ahead and make a little something for it. Make one butterfly, can you? No, he can't do it. My father made thousands of them. That's exactly right to prove. Oh, the devil would like to make you to believe he's all powerful. He's this, that, and other. I'll tell you what the devil is. Mainly wind. He's like a roaring lion that goes about roaring, roaring, scaring the children to death and the people of God. But if you really look at him, Peter said he's as a lion, which means he's acting. And if you'll open up his mouth, he's not always people. He's like a bad on the sense of the but Jesus broke his back at Calvary. Come on, saints. He's like a roaring lion. He likes to scream and holler. I'll huff and puff and blow your brains out of your house down. I'll do this or that. But stand your ground and say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, out of my way. Out of my way. I'm getting my inheritance, my healing, my salvation, my part of the rapture. You're not stopping me. Listen. <laughs> I didn't say I was done. I just told you all you could stand. Let me finish reading this quote here. Well, I'll finish. There was an animal, the serpent, so close to man that Satan could get to that beast. And through that beast, he could, to human flesh, cause the fall. And inject himself thereby into the human race. Even as Jesus one day come and inject himself into the human race, into human bodies. Even to the extent of a resurrection. Wherein we would have bodies like unto his glorified one. Thus what God worked out here in the Garden of Eden was his predestinated plan. That wasn't whenever the angels of God come up running up to heaven. Father, 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 your son has fallen. God said, oh no, oh no, you've got to be kidding me. Oh no, I can't believe it. I... Your son has fallen. Really? Great. Oh, I know it blows our minds, doesn't it? God couldn't make him fall. God was a redeemer. God was a healer. But he couldn't make a man. This is a man. God couldn't make him. And then make him fall and then come over and say, Oh, 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 now I'm a savior. I'm a savior. I helped you. I helped you. I lift you up. But he could make the man and place him on free moral agency. Adam's free moral agency was not whether he's going to choose to be a son of God or not. Well, I'm going to choke some of you dead, but Adam was still a son of God after he sinned. His free moral agency had nothing to do with his choice of whether or not he was the son of God. He was still a son of God. But it's whether or not he would remain in fellowship with Almighty God. One of these days, you're going to find out that's what your free moral agency is. He chose you before you even had a right, even an understanding to choose him. You're going to find out one of these days your free moral agency has been just about the greatest enemy you've got anyhow. That's what gets us in so much trouble. 
When Satan had brought about that which was necessary to the purpose of God, then man, Moses, man could not get to the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. Certainly not. It wasn't time, but an animal, an animal had caused the fall. Had it not, then let animal life be shed. Why people stumble over this? It's beyond me. Why did God kill a lamb? Why did God, down through the Old Testament, demand animal life? An animal caused the fall. Why did not God accept an animal life in the restitution of the New Testament? An animal life could not bring us back. It had to be God life, but personified in human life. To give you your rights back to the tree of life. Then there was to come a day when God would appear in flesh and by means of his humiliation, he would restore fallen man and make him a partaker of that life eternal. Once you see this, you can understand the serpent seed and know it was no apple he ate. It was the degradation of humanity by intermingling the seed. And Satan played right into the very program of God. Praise God. Oh, let us move now from the Garden of Gethsemane or from the Garden of Eden through the Garden of Gethsemane. Then we will take our, our journey to the Praetorium. We will come down the Via Della Rosa. I can see his body jerking, quivering as they have whipped him, kept him up all night. Strips of meats hanging from his back where they've beaten him. His head is swollen. His lips are swollen and parched. They lay him down on the tree. They drive the nails in his hands and his feet. They suspend him between the heavens and the earth. Satan never did know who he was for sure. You think he'd have let him die on that cross if he'd known what that blood was going to do for you? Are you the son of God? Are you the son of God? If you are, do this, do that, do the other. Well, glory to God. Up to that time, the bride was hid in the groom. After Pentecost, the groom was hid in the bride. <laughs> so God, once again, has to let Satan do his part. So here he hangs. You notice how the asphyxiation of the collapsing of the lungs and how that the Romans perfected, if you can say it that way. The Bithynians, many different ones used crucifixion, but the Romans studied it as an art to be able to make it as painful as possible, except you extend your suffering. They would hang there for days. Your picture shows him way up off the ground, but he wasn't way off the ground. He's just right close to the ground. That was part of the torture. The jackals and the dogs, the wild dogs would come and tear the strips of meat off of your legs and eat the meat off your legs and your muscles while you was dying. Look at him. Let's look at him. He don't even look like a human being. His body is jerking and quivering. They take the crown of Victor's thorns three to six inch long thorns and they cram it down on his head little tips of poison as it releases inside of his body but now his head is swollen near the size of a bucket 
He's so thirsty, he can hardly stand it. His blood pressure is going up and down. His heart is just rushing, rushing, and then it'll stop by the asphyxiation upon the lungs. They would have to push themselves up on that one nail on both feet in order to catch the breath. <gasps> And then his feet and legs would give out and he'd have to go back down. And when he would, the pressure from his muscles around his cavity, chest cavity, would tighten up on his lungs and he couldn't breathe. <laughs> he would push himself back up again and say, Messiah, that can't be the son of God. That can't be. Come on, devil. Play your part. So he says to the bee of death, it's about time for you to go up, kill that false prophet. Yes, sir. I got Adam. I got Masusa. I got Abel. He'll prove no match for me. The prophet said the bee of death started buzzing around him. But there just so happened to be a predestinated seed that landed right by him on the cross. He saw Jesus at his worst time possible. No miracles, no signs, no wonders, no healing, no deliverance, no great sermons. He sees him in his greatest hour of weakness. And to most of us, he didn't even pray a prayer of repentance. Show me where he said anything about his sins. Lord, I'm sorry I've done this, I've said that. And Lord, I've done this and I've stole that and I should have never done this. And Lord, I should have never. This man understood a whole lot more about repentance, I'm afraid, than some of us do. But he turns over and looks at him. This man has done nothing. The other one throwed it in his teeth and said, if you're the son of God, save yourself and us. He said, what's the matter with you? We're getting what we deserve. This man has done nothing. Lord, Lord. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. With so much pain and agony and sorrow, Jesus was able to muster up enough strength. This day, you will be with me in paradise. So here it comes. Satan, give death, checking in for report. Let it go a little few more minutes here. Yeah, I'll let him suffer a little bit more. I really like this. He cast out a lot of devils. He already torn into me for three and a half years. Let him suffer a little more. Over and out. Be of death. Yes, yes. This is your master, Satan. Attack him. Eli, Eli, Lame, Sebastiani. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Remember, he must die the death of a sinner. Though he never sinned. Go ahead, death. It's just as I thought. An ordinary common man.
gas comes in for the landing. It is finished. Job completed. Come on back down to hell. Over and out. In a few minutes. They answer the door. Is the master of the house in? He is. Who's calling? The resurrection and the life. The first and the last. The alpha and the omega. Imagine the demon said somebody's wanting to see you at the door. Oh, you made it, did you? Yes. I thought I got you when I killed Abel. I thought I got you, but now I've got you. He reaches over and grabs a hold of them keys. Prophet said he shut that door of hell and kicked it shut and shut everything down off the walls in hell. You heard me say it before, but I'm going to say it again. He robbed the devil so much, the devil ain't even got the keys to his own house. (laughs) Amen. When he stands there in the book of Revelation, he tells John, I've got the keys of death and hell. And you've got your right back. Praise God. Your trials, your tests, your things you go through of life, if we can only see it sometimes, it's the necessary things around us, friends, to bring out the more explicit, expressed glory of God. Don't you love Him today? Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today. What a great program you've laid out. I praise you, my Father. It's magnificent. It's beautiful. It's perfect. It's sublime. What you've done. Lord, I just thank you so much. In order to give yourself reason and purpose of being, you ordain a man that requires salvation. You can't make the man fall, reach down and pick him up, but you can put him on a basis where he can choose to leave if he so desires. Then you can reach down and save him. Praise God. How we long for that day, Lord Jesus, 
when you will rise from the Father's throne. You will take off your bloody garments as it were. Step in behind the curtain and step out with your great kingly robe. And the angels will stand there knowing this is the day of the rapture. Praise God. For when you vacate the mediatorial throne, it means the body change is to follow immediately. It may begin in Africa, it may begin in India, it may begin in Tennessee, who knows. But in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the theophanies of God, the saints have entered into their theophanies, will be released out from under the altar from the sixth dimension. For Enoch prophesied the Lord will come with ten thousands of his saints. Praise God. They're coming to get the rest of the family. But they're also coming for their resurrected body. Praise God. Then Lord, while that's going on, we're standing maybe it's on Monday morning and we're brushing our teeth, getting ready to go to work or combing our hair, eating breakfast, whatever it is. And we're thinking about what we're going to do during the day and the week. Little do we know, this Monday will be the last Monday of our lives. From this point on, it's an eternal day. Praise God. And all of a sudden, we raise up our head from getting a bite of Cheerios and sitting across the table as our 18-year-old daddy or our 18-year-old mama. Praise be to God, and we know it ain't going to be long. We're going to be changed. Help us, Lord Jesus. Don't let a one of us be missing, Father. May we fall in line with this beatitude. Blessed are they that keep his commandments or blessed are they that wash the robes in the blood of the Lamb. Praise God. We love you, Lord Jesus. With no one looking around and every head bowed, I wonder how many of us here today, you say with all my heart, I want to be there, Brother Donnie. Please remember me. My hand's up. I'm going to be praying for you. Why don't you pray for me? Maybe there's some here today that knows you're not ready. You'd like to be remembered. You just raise your hand, slip your hand up to the Lord. Maybe some without the Holy Ghost. Some of you believe you're ready to meet Him, but you're having such battles and trials, maybe sickness, this, that, and the other. You just need strength for the journey. You know, actually even asking the Lord to take it away from you, but just give you grace. You'd like to be remembered today. And then for the hundreds of thousands that will go back and stream this service in different parts of the world, we're going to offer prayer for them as well. Would you take the person's hand standing by you or lay your hand over on the shoulder one? Let's just offer a word of prayer for them, would you? Lord Jesus, we count it such an honor to be standing in the presence of our resurrected King. Praise God. Unlike the leaders of the rest of the major religions of the world. Mohammed, oh, they have the white horse there and they're still looking for him to resurrect and conquer the world and all that, but we know that that is never happening. The Lola Baha'i that's looking for their great leader to raise. Hare Krishna, 
all the different ones, Lord, that have led people astray. They're still in the grave. But our Messiah is right here in this building today. Praise God. He's not only just not no empty grave. He ain't some million miles away somewhere. But His presence is right here among us this morning. Lord Jesus, we need You. We need You. Father, help us, I pray. For some, they need salvation. For some, they need the Holy Ghost. For some, they need healing. Others need strength. Others just need courage, Lord. Praise God. We call upon your name, Lord Jesus. I believe my needs add to your reason and purpose of being. Now that I'm saved, my needs are ongoing still. I constantly call upon your name, Lord. I believe you love it when your children do that. You love to come to us, to nurture us, to help us in the time of need and trouble. Oh, Father God, may you minister to the needs of your people today, Lord. And I speak to your enemy and our enemy. And I say to Satan this morning, take your hands off of God's property. You spirits of oppression and depression, you spirits of lust, lying, idolatry, whatever, we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We are no longer your property, Satan. You are defeated. You might as well accept the fact you are defeated. We know you won't admit it, but we're going to tell you, the hundreds of us here this morning, you are defeated. Praise God. Take your hand off of God's property. You spirits of darkness, set God's children free. House of hell, give way to the name. Oh, hallelujah! Of Jesus Christ. House of hell. Give way to the name. Of Jesus Christ. You are defeated Satan. You cannot hold us. We are God's possession. We are God's people. We are God's property. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We belong to the almighty God. You have no claim on us, Satan. You are defeated. Leave us. In Jesus' name. Praise. Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. To the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord, children, if you could only receive it right now, he's just as defeated in your life as he was defeated that day when Jesus went down to hell. Just as defeated as he was that day in the Garden of Eden. The work is already done. Amen. You're on the winning side. You're not going to lose. Praise God. 
Praise God. Bless your name, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord God. Oh, Adonai, mighty God, blessed resurrection in life, great creator. Hallelujah. Great Adonai, we bless your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, mighty God. We sense you in our midst today, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for coming among us. Who are we, Lord? Lowly peasants, lowly beggars of the earth. But yet we're privileged to walk with the King. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Sing something, Harry. Can we just worship him a little bit, friends, before we go? I know you got your lunch plans, you got this and that and the other plan for the afternoon, but I'll tell you one thing. I don't know of anything you could have planned any better than what we're standing in right now. Do you realize you are in the presence of your king? He will not be any more real to you until you meet him that day in the rapture. Oh, praise God. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. I worship your name, my God. I exalt you, O Father God. Nothing can stand We lift you today, O God. We lift our voices with your name.
Amen. Did you enjoy that? Isn't God good? Isn't God good? And we come to an agreement with Sister Caitlin. She asked if we'd excuse her today. She'd sing two for us next time she comes. So we're on a standoff. We're going to hold her to that. Are you glad to be a Christian this morning? Are you glad you love the Lord? Amen. Brother Harry, just sing some more of that. If you want to stay and worship, fellowship, just make yourself at home. Praise the Lord. I don't know who would want to leave here. But if you have to go, you got to go. But let's sing a little bit more of that, if you will, this morning. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of You didn't want heaven without us So Jesus, you brought heaven down My sin was great, your love was greater What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is name it is.